So if you could be here around nine, that would be great. Okay. Well, listen here. Hello, and welcome to 90 Day Fiance MK. I'm Mr. O, and today, Ms. H and I will be discussing Season 4, Episode 5 of The Other Way. In this episode, Chris scares the hell out of Jamie with her need for a weapon. We see Osama skateboarding and hear his poetry. Nicole learns why she's never met Mamu's friends. Gabe and Israel try to get supplies for his business. Jen meets Rishi's family and immediately raises their suspicions. And Nicole has issues with Johan not telling her the whole truth about the other women he impregnated. As always, we'll end out our Students of the Week, Class Dances, and Life Lessons. If you also watch Love After Lockup, you should listen to our other channel, Love After Lockup MK, where we are covering the new season of Life After Lockup. Alright, thanks for listening, stay safe, and enjoy! Hello, Mr. O. Hello, Miss H. How are you today? I'm not doing too bad. Um, you know, have things starting, things changing, spring coming around, so. I know, daylight you know. saving time is oh, next week. Oh, that's right, I'm excited. Uh, I kind of am excited for that, except for me, the first, like, two weeks of daylight savings is bad because it means I get to work in the dark, and I do hate getting oh. to work in the dark. I don't mind that. I like it being lighter later. And also because the light right now is waking me up. So uh, I'll appreciate when it's a little bit darker in the morning. Right. All right. Let's get started with people. I want to start with Chris and Jamie because that was something. So, yeah, it really was. <laughs> so Chris is feeling better kind of the morning after they had their stuff last time and their neck's feeling better. So she's ready to get out and see the city. So Jamie says that the language barrier has was not has not was not as big of a deal when they were talking online as they are when they're now in person because when they did online when they talked online the messages automatically got translated. So they went out and or at least somebody bought for them the notorious translator egg. Oh gosh, so, <laughs> production trolling them. <laughs> I think it, it seems to be better at Spanish than it was at Korean. Oh, so anyway, Chris says that she wants to go out and see everything in the city. Well. Most of all, a weapons shop because uh, she wants to make sure she, – she wants to buy a weapon to keep them safe. Goodness. Jamie has disturbed the sentiment and is like, OK. And Chris says, having a weapons is just part of who I am. Mm-hmm. Then we flash back to her in Alabama and she had a big knife collection like laying on her bed. So she says she's always had weapons around and she doesn't feel safe in Columbia. So – Jamie agrees to take, you know, kind of all this into consideration. So Jamie tries to tell her that, you know, Jamie tries to tell her that Columbia is plenty safe, but she's been the victim of crime. Like somebody punched her in the face once and stole her wallet. So Chris is like, I don't buy it because mm-hmm. she would have stabbed the person that stole the wallet, I guess. Oh, I don't know. So you go to the store and Chris chooses something that, according to Jamie, is a knife that's Big enough to kill a cow. <laughs> so she just in the store, just like brandishing this knife around, like she's stabbing somebody, like holding it backhand, front-handed. Shoosh, shoosh, oh, this feels good. So Jamie says is uh freaking out a little bit in, inside because her girlfriend looks and is acting like, according to her, is again in Jamie's words, a psycho. So, uh you know, but Chris says, you shouldn't worry about it. I got a knife like this for my eighth birthday, which doesn't make Jamie feel any better because she's like, <laughs> I got a Barbie. <laughs> <laughs> so Chris kind of says that these are the things we need to learn about each other. And, you know, Jamie agrees to let her keep the knife in their house, but maybe not 
in their room. All right. So how would this impact the relationship if the person you were with just went said, you know what we need to have in the house? A giant knife and went to the store and started swinging it around. Oh, my gosh. I mean, I know I would feel a way about it. I don't know enough where it's a deal breaker. But I mean, I am someone who, uh, you know, grew up in a home where my dad uh, used to hunt um, before kids, but my mom did not want guns in the house at all. Um, I don't know. I just I I want to say it was a healthy fear of weapons in general, but I really have rarely ever seen a gun in real life. And one of the times was when I was dating this police officer and he had mm. come over and just kind of like casually put his gun on my like, you know, coffee table. And I was just like, oh, my God, there's a gun in my house. And I I don't know why. I mean, he's a police officer, so it's not like just some Miranda with a gun, you know, but it, right, it, right. it made me feel like, I don't want to say unsafe, but it made me feel a way. And I'm just like nervous, anxious. I don't know. So I can kind of understand where Jamie was coming from. If she's not used to being around knives and other kinds of weapons, like it could be kind of scary to you. Um, but quite honestly, I don't, know if it's just the knife at this point i feel like there's a little bit of everything right she is learning more about jamie she is realizing that this relationship is difficult that jamie really is this i don't even want to say free spirit she's just this weird spirit that like is not on the same page or has same interest as chris other than the fact that they're both lesbians like or i shouldn't even say that both are into women because uh Chris is by, but you know, it's, I just don't know if they have all that much in common. And it probably is very frightening to Jamie to be like, I had no idea she was obsessed with knives. And this is what I'm finding out three days before we're getting married. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's, it's especially disturbing because if you remember the other thing she said, she was like, mm-hmm. oh, we're going to sleep in the be- in the bed. Don't forget, I have narcolepsy, which can lead to night terrors. So I might make, you might get karate chopped a few times in bed. Also, I want to keep a knife next to me in the bed. She'd be right. like, absolutely not. Right. Like, <laughs> and didn't she say something about sleepwalking too? Or maybe I interpreted the night terrors yeah. as sleepwalking. <laughs> maybe. But she was – I'm like, you on night one told me you're going to karate chop me in bed. And on night two right. said we're going to be safer if there's a knife within my reach. I yeah. mean, like that doesn't – that those things don't scan. Like – and yes, I'm also a a no guns in my house like mm-hmm. person. Um, and so I, I, I definitely am like of the mind or the mindset of the, or the outlook where if someone has a knife in my, in my house or they have a weapon that they're brandishing or a gun in the house <laughs> right. and they say, this is going to make them safe. And I was like, if my kids are going to get shot by a gun, it's going to be that one you're holding right now. Right. If right. they're going to get stabbed by a knife, it's the one you're holding right now that's going to stab them. So I don't feel safer with that around. Right. right? And so it's it, it's a very big cultural thing because it very much sounds like Chris does not feel safe unless she's brand she's carrying a weapon like so and and I don't and that that's just a thing that it, that might be an incompatibility she doesn't feel safe unless she's carrying a weapon right. I don't feel safe when I'm with somebody who has a weapon yeah. we don't get to feel safe like you know we don't get to both feel safe right. That being said, I kind of feel like Jamie maybe doesn't understand how Chris feels because 
I mean, she talked about getting like what uh, hit in the face or something like that. Uh-huh. Um, you know, and her phone was stolen or broken. I don't remember exactly, but it's like that's also not normal. You know, and she was like, oh, no big deal. Like, it happens. It's like, this place is safe. It's like, no, if this is your definition of safe, this place is not safe. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. I just, I just doesn't seem like if someone tried to snatch your phone, Mm -hmm. chasing them with a knife is going to end this story (laughs) better. (laughs) That that is also true. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, so then that, that's kind of where that's kind of where I sit with it. But it was like I just Chris is a very extreme person. She and is. It's and she whether it's wearing the tutu. But that's the thing too is you don't necessarily think that somebody who you know you met and she was we we met her she was at her mailbox in a fairy outfit right like championing a pencil. You wouldn't be like oh that person always has a knife with them. Like yeah. that's that's something I would guess about that person. Like right. so it's it's a tough thing to be finding out like now. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. All right. Uh let's move on and let's talk about Gabriel and Isabel because they didn't really have too much going on. Mm-hmm. Uh Gabriel is talking about his business. He's getting a lot of anxiety because there are a lot of orders, but he's unable to fulfill them because he currently has no inventory. Uh, if you recall, he uh, runs a business where he sells the um, underwear, well, boxers with uh, the uh, silicone penises in the front for uh, transgender people who haven't had their bottom surgery yet. So Isabel quit her job working at a law firm to help out with Gabriel's business. He says he's starting over and he's not sure how to proceed with things like how to ship from uh, Columbia. Uh, Gabriel is spinning out, and Isabel says that when Gabe is stressed, everything is generally more difficult. She thinks that she could have run these work errands by herself, and probably it would have been faster and everything would have been a lot less stressful. Gabriel is starting to feel like an assistant because Isabel is pretty much taking charge, and a lot of it has to do with uh, the English barrier. Uh, Gabriel is frustrated that no one else seems to use the imperial system. And then uh, Gabriel realizes that he also left uh, the stamps in Miami that have his brand uh, logos on it. Uh, Isabel keeps suggesting that they get new ones made, but Gabriel is just frustrated and kind of talking over her and saying that'll cost a lot. And uh, it's going to take time to rectify this mistake. And so he's just really frustrated because he feels like, you know, if he can't sell items or ship them or fulfill these orders, he pretty much has no money. So uh, what do you think is, well, do you think it's a good idea that these two work together? What do you think is the best uh, move going forward? Yeah, it's tricky because I thought he would have thought more about this business before he went down there. Right. At least remember the stamps if they're that important. I'm, I'm not even at least remember the stamps, but like, dude, he's talking about how getting things shipped to Columbia, the stamps that you can't get, yeah. it takes at least four months. I was like, does that mean it's going to take four months to fulfill every single order that you have? Right, right. Right. So did you, I, he's like, I don't know how I'm going to ship them from here. And I was like, that seems like a pretty important thing to right. have gotten figured out before you move your business to another country is right. how you'll ship from that country. Yeah, unless he's planning on like just doing local sales, 
which I I didn't think he was. I was getting the impression mm. he was selling like his his all his client all his clientele was was American before, yeah, right. So I don't know how we do that. Like, and I don't know. It seems like a bad supply chain choice to. And maybe I don't know if they actually are going to do this long term. If it's just because I just have a few orders that I need to, I real, they're backing up. I need to get some out. Mm-hmm. But like, it doesn't seem like a good idea to have to go buy like bolts of fabric from the local marketplace every time you need to fulfill an order. It seems like you should have a supply chain of some sort set up where you're getting those shipped to you. And Yeah. It's like, because what is that fabric for? I doubt Gabriel's like sitting in the back with a sewing machine, like putting these things together. I think he is. I think think he buys the boxers. Yes. And then he has to sew on the insert. Yeah, he has to sew on like the, the mold. The, okay, that makes. I sense. don't think he sews in the mold. I think he sews on sews in like a pocket for the mold to go into. Mm, okay, and so you need the you probably need the fabric to make the pocket. It's kind of weird that they sold the fabric in kilograms, though. Yeah, I, I mean, it kind of makes sense, but yes, I get what you're saying because I think for uh, you know in America, if you buy things here like fabric, you just buy per yard, but every fabric is a different price per yard. So it just seems like mm-hmm. if you have a heavier fabric, it would probably just be more expensive per yard. So there, it kind of makes sense that if there's just like a set price for all materials. If you have a heavier fabric, it's just, you know, going to weigh more. And so you just pay more. So it kind of makes yeah. sense. But I, just, it, it make, I mean, it makes sense to me because if I am sewing something, I know mm-hmm. how much material I need. That's I don't know true. how much that material weighs. Yes, that that is actually pretty true. Accurate. Because, yeah, you're you're going to say like, okay, well, I need like a couple yards or something. Yeah, I need a meter and a half. I need a meter and a half. Yeah. And they're like, well, we charge by kilo. And it's like, well, I don't know how much a meter and a half of this material right. costs, but I know I need a meter and a half. Yeah. Yeah. But I think you could measure it out, but then you pay by per kilogram, right? right so you right. cut off as much as you need in terms of length and then just weigh it. Right, but I won't know. It's that that to me is like the frustrating froyo stores. Like I want to know. I I have to go up and be like, I you know, the make your own froyos where you have the froyo and they put the toppings on and then yeah. you get to the end and they weigh it and I'm like, I want to know how much my froyo is going to cost before I put it on this. Before that's yes, like, that's true. Yeah, I mean they should have like a kind of a more accessible communal like uh, scale before you start putting things on. Oh, like the like the grocery store, right? Yeah, <laughs> the, yeah. The so you can know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. It just. It seems like as I say, at the end of the day, it seems like they're just underplanned. But I don't know that them working together is the worst idea because it seemed like she at least seems patient enough right now because mm-hmm. he was just frustrated. Yeah. Right. That she's gonna be able to deal with a frustrated him and like get it all sorted out and work together. And then when his Spanish gets better, it won't be he won't be as dependent on her. I Spanish was pretty good so far, but I mean, yeah. I guess like if you're, you know, it's it's easy to kind of think of someone as being fluent if they're conversationally fluent versus like, you know, fluent in a particular like industry. Yeah. Yeah. It's that. Well, we, we think we even talk about it in ESOL. Like there's the, mm-hmm. our, we have, you know, your general words and then you have your like discipline specific words and that's like a right. different level of language mm-hmm. for sure. Yep. Yeah, your academic languages too. Mm-hmm. So yeah, mm-hmm. all kind of different skill sets, I suppose. Yep. All right. So let's move on. Like you said, there wasn't much with them. Let's go to uh, Nicole Mahmoud. So now it's the morning after, I guess, after Nicole's first night in Egypt. And 
mom is asking him about it. And he's like in a room and she's in a different room getting ready. So he says they fought last night, but it was really nice to wake up this morning next to his wife. So they both hope, you know, mom and, and Mahmoud without much reason that she'll, you know, do better this time. But I don't know that that's going to happen because she's been in the bathroom for a really long time trying to squeegee the floor to make sure nobody falls after her shower. Apparently that's how Egyptian bathroom uh, showers work. So she wants her own apartment with Mahmoud because she doesn't like that she's, you know, taking a long time and feels like guilty for monopolizing the bathroom right now. But not that overly concerned apparently because she's just talking to production in the bathroom about how <laughs> she feels bad about last night. And also is already breaking into tears about being homesick. So she does come up out eventually and Mahmoud asks her about why were you crying in the bathroom? So she tells him about her lack of, you know, kind of this personal space with his, all these all this big family around and she's worried about how things are not going to work again and blah, blah, So he understands that she feels like she's lost something by, by moving here. But now, you know, she's gained something and she's with her husband. So he doesn't want her to always be crying because that makes it seem like she's going to leave again. But now she's she's getting annoyed because, I don't know, it seems like she thinks he's taking her moods personally, even though the reasons she's sad about what she's still left behind aren't really his fault. So they both apologize and say they love each other. So the next day, Mahmoud wants to get – tries to get her out of the house to try to relieve some of this homesickness. But it seems like he's been waiting a long time again, like as he's living in the living room waiting, like wonder what's taking her so long. So she finally comes out but then wants to get shoes to wear and then wants the different shoes and things. So she wants to let loose and he wants her to let loose or she wants to let loose and try to enjoy herself a little bit. So on the walk, uh, they start walking and Mahmoud is just like doing that thing where he's like, oh, I love you. I love you. Oh, I love you. I'm so glad you're here. I love you. So they pass a cafe and she wants to sit down and have some coffee. But Mahmoud is like, uh, uh, cafes are kind of only for men. Oh, gosh. <laughs> they can't take you there. But all right, fine. We can ask. He doesn't want to fight about it. So the waiter says she can sit there. But Mahmoud seems to think that's because she's obviously not Egyptian. And they're like, well, you obviously don't know the rules. Fine, whatever. So he says the reason the cafe and every basically everything outside is a boys club is because, you know, you can loosen up with your friends. When there's a woman, you got to watch what you say. You can't you can't be you can't be cussing or carrying on. So, you know, it's not it's a lot nicer, much more relaxed. So she asks if she might be able to meet his friends. And he's like, what? No, of course not. That's out of the question. <laughs> you can't be my friends. So she thinks she kind of remembers them because their faces were at the wedding. But he just says that's how things are done. It's respect that, you know, other people's wives belong to them and you don't get to meet them. So, in fact, he's never even – he's never met any of his friends' wives because if he, even if he asked, they would obviously just be like, what? Fuck you. No, you can't <laughs> meet my wife. So he says in Egypt, marriage is private life and, you know, friends are public life and you don't mix those things. So she stays insistent though and says she really wants to meet his friends just so he knows what's going on in his life at least. So he does agree to eventually to do that just once – and he says, it's going to be super uncomfortable. And then after we do it, never ask me again to meet my friends. <laughs> so then we actually get to the meeting. She's excited and, ner and he's nervous, like visibly nervous. He's like shaking in the car. He's so nervous about this, this, this cab ride. So he's worried that either, you know, they're going to be rude, the friends are going to be rude, or they won't talk to her at all. He says that in a place like Cairo, it's normal for couples to hang out, but, you know, not here. So when they get there, there are five guys waiting for them and he greets all of them, you know, you know, hug and do the double kiss cheek thing. So they say that the friends have been there for an hour already. So 
they're not the greatest start. And some of them are kind of already on their phones. They really make a point of like awkward silence. No one's talking. <laughs> There's two guys on their phones. So the friend, some of the friends say in an interview, it's the first time they've been invited where a wife would be there and they're all just as nervous as anybody else, even if she does seem nice enough. So she asks them through him what they thought about uh, her, her about Mahmoud marrying an American and through the ensuing conversation that kind of came after that, she caught him saying the word crazy, which mm-hmm. he had to like clarify was like, no, other American women are crazy, not you. <laughs> so anyway – so now that he's with his friends, the tables have kind of turned. He's having a good time. He's relaxed. And she just like is afraid she's going to offend everybody with everything she says. So she's super nervous. So the whole experience taught her that maybe when Mahmoud says something is going to be brutally awkward, that it is going to be brutally awkward. <laughs> All right. So this just – I mean we just see this. This just feels like a train wreck. She is – I'm trying to think, has, has, has it been very few people? Can you name anybody, I guess, that's more high maintenance than she is? Um, I don't know, because I don't know if I would really see it as high maintenance so much as she has these expectations that things are going to be like they are in America, and they're just not, right? Yeah, I mean, they're yeah, ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, I would say ridiculous, but it's like there's so many things that you're just like, didn't you like – A, you've been yeah, here before. And right. B, didn't you like research that before you moved there? Right. And so it's just her insistence on like getting coffee, on, you know, meeting the friends. Um, You know, it's just like I don't understand why she's surprised that these are big asks. Yes. I mean I, I, I do if I just was plopped in there like teleported to Egypt and was like – you know, oh, we actually can't get coffee. Like, but she knew she was going to move here. Right? right. That, And so it seems like you do a little bit of research, right, into, into how it works and what you're allowed to do and what's the life of a woman like there, right? Because I'm not sure what it is. And I think that's partially on, Mah- on Mahmoud, right? Because I mm-hmm. feel like he wants, well, we'll just get you out of the house. He should have a plan. What is he? Go- what is he allowed to go do with her? Like – Anything, come up with a plan. Go do that thing. Don't just let her be pointing out all this stuff that you know she can't do. Right, right. You know? And so, I mean, I imagine that husbands and wives have to do something together there. Yes? I don't <laughs> know. I mean, we make that assumption, but it kind of doesn't sound like that. No, I mean, you're right. The way he makes it sound is women stay in the home. Yes. Men get to come outside and have fun and do whatever. And you get to be friends with my sister. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All the other women that are sharing the home with you that you're yes. inside and hanging out with. Yes. Like that's what you that that's it. That's what you get. Like whoever yeah. I whoever I does who have the other women that somehow managed to break into this household. I don't know. I don't know how people meet women in that case. I don't know how this works. Right, right. I think I mean, it's I can't be just an American thing, right? But I think if you move to any new place like you are going to be unhappy until you really feel like you belong or you find your people and you feel like right. there's a community there. And it just sounds like Mamu doesn't get that at all. Right. It's just like, oh, you're here with me. Like, I'm your community. It's like, guess what? You're not enough. Like, she needs to have more than you as support. And I don't really understand why he 
doesn't get that. Like she's mentioned like feeling homesick, feeling lonely. It's because she has no friends there. If she had friends there, she would be much more likely to feel like she belonged and that she had support there and she'd be much more likely to stay. But I don't blame her at all for like wanting to leave if this is the type of life she's going to be living permanently. No, I mean, I, I would – the only way I blame I would put on her is to say like, why did you go back if you knew it was going right. to be like this, right? Yeah. And because it just – it also just is one of those things that seems like a reasonable compromise because he was mm-hmm. like – at some point he was like, well, yeah, in Cairo they do that. It's like, okay. Well, let's move to Cairo. So go yeah. to Cairo. Like yeah. what's the problem there? Like – but he doesn't want to compromise on anything. Right. Like, I mean, and he did compromise on – you know, I guess he did, but he he wants to compromise on. Well, I'll show you why that's a terrible idea. We'll do it one mm-hmm. time, you know. Yeah, and not on like the actual things that will make her life more comfortable, right? right. More American because it's like, yeah, it, it 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 is both of those things. If you didn't want to live in Egypt, why did you move to Egypt? Mm-hmm. But it's also him. If you didn't want to be, if you wanted to be with an Egyptian woman, why did you marry an American one? Right. Right. I think like she's just having a hard time conveying why she wanted to meet the friends, right? Because to him, it just sounded like a random request, like, you want to meet my friends. But I don't think he was really getting, like, why? I, I To me, I kind of equated it to be like, if, if you know, I had a, if I had a partner in something like, I really want to meet your boss. I'm like, why? Yeah. Why do you want to meet my boss? Right. That's weird. And I was like, hey, boss, can we have dinner together so you can meet my girlfriend. Like that would be weird. Like, and Mm -hmm. I think he kind of took it with that same, with that same uh, kind of idea, but it's just like, but yeah, she didn't explain. It was like, Oh no, I thought that meeting your friends would be a way for me to expand my social network and be able to meet somebody that I could talk to. Yes, Like that's what she wanted because that's what it is. The way way it works in the U S is like you go with their friends and you meet their wives and then you're friends with their wives and then you can do a thing. Like it's a way to, it's just a way of getting yourself out there to meet people. And he just does not understand no. why she would need to do that. Right. Right. So yeah, I, I, it, but it seems like he is coming off as very well intentioned. So I hope they can figure that out. I just don't think, I don't think he's good. I don't think he's going to be able to change what the actual problem is. Oh, I agree. But I think he like wants to. But I also think he's just naive and he doesn't really understand what she needs. No, but he he thinks if if I can keep her here long enough, she'll get used to it. Yeah, I think so, too. (laughs) Like we'll somehow indoctrinate her or something. Yes, exactly. That's exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. All right, Ty, let's move on to Debbie and Osama. So Debbie is packing up, which she said has been a nightmare. She feels sorry for TSA if they have to go through her stuff because they will see how crazy she is. She's excited to be with her man, Osama. We get to meet Osama, who is naturally doing skateboarding tricks. And Osama considers himself to be of a loner, except when it comes to cats, which they show him holding a cat while having an intense staring contest with it. He says he prefers cats to people. Osama tells us he is Berber and Muslim. He lives on a small farm with a couple of cows, chickens, and a donkey. He says he likes working with the animals. Osama doesn't have a job because he helps out at the farm, and he really wants to keep his free time open because he needs time to be creative. He considers himself a writer, a painter, and a poet. He is writing Debris poetry. 
He says he's practicing poetry in English to reach a larger audience. He says there is a madness inside of him that can be seen in his art. Osama prayed to God to send him a woman that will understand him and love him, and he was sent Debbie. He thinks they understand each other, and Debbie has a young spirit. He tells us that their relationship is not without challenges. Seems like Debbie fights with him, gets emotional, and then blocks him. Mm. Osama thinks that they need uh, to get to know each other more, but that doesn't mean he's not ready to get married. Back at home, Julian, Debbie's son, is helping her pack up. Julian continues to tell her that what she's doing is stupid as he gives her a ride to the airport. Sandy, Debbie's daughter, calls on the way and she echoes that this is a bad decision. Debbie thinks that they both need to have more faith in her. Debbie is getting tired of Julian's attitude. She tells him that she is determined Debbie. Julian says he will worry about her all the time. He asks her if he can pay for uh, anything to get her to stay in the U.S. Julian says he's not good at goodbyes, so he tries to exit as he tells her to be good. All right. So uh, what was your first impression of Osama? Because this is the first time we've really seen anything uh, on him. Uh, I don't know. He seemed still kind of a blank slate-ish. Mm-hmm. Now, I think there was a couple of concerning things that happened. Like, Okay. Um, His obsession with cats. I am not as anti-cat as you are. Yeah, I so, know, because you're housing a cat right now, aren't you? <laughs> yes, I am. Um, and so he's a cat lady, but because it wasn't just one or two cats. It was Oh, no, there was like cats. 10 of them that we saw, and they all lived in the house. These weren't like, oh, he's just feeding some strays. Yeah, and it was the intent, the the weird, intense soul stare that he did with that kitten. Right. Um, was, was something. And then there was his poetry, which was... Interesting. I couldn't even really like to me, it just sounded like a bunch of words. Sometimes poetry seems like that to me, you know, where it's just like, all right, just like cliche after cliche. It was cliche, cliche interspersed with things like give my heart vitamins of love. Oh, gosh. Okay. (laughs) So there's that. But like, I guess the thing that got me most about the cats that I think is going to be at least a notable part that isn't just ha ha, get a load of this guy, right? Was the part where he said he likes. He prefers cats to people. Yes. Because of the silence. Oh, gosh. Debbie seems like she's a talker. Debbie is not going to give him silence. No, that's true. But at the same time, it's not like they haven't met each other before. So maybe he can tune her out because of the language difference. It's uh, maybe. I mean, it's still not going to be silent. And I think it's one thing. But I think it's going to be an adjustment from, you know, vacation debbie to you know that's always true real uh, long term it's like oh you talk like this all the time not just when when we're having fun and getting to know each other this is something that just doesn't stop Uh, well you know i think sometimes people do kind of settle down a little bit right like um i have a friend who i traveled with for the first time this year and i Remember at the beginning thinking, my goodness, she talks quite a lot, right? And then it's like once, you know, I feel like we got into the groove of, you know, just being around each other a lot. And it really was like, oh, she doesn't talk as much as I thought she did at the beginning. So maybe it's kind of like that, you know, where it's like Debbie has a lot to say because we're getting to know her. 
right? Debbie's going to have a lot to say because she wants, uh, you know, Asamo to get to know her. But it's like, it's like the old married couple, you know? It's like, at some point, you got to run out of things to say. It depends on what old married couples you're talking about, because I've, <laughs> I've, I've known some old married couples where one partner just, bah, 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 and the other one's like, uh-huh. Yes, dear. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's true. That's true. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> so, and that that's just the kind of person that Debbie strikes me as. She's just going to mm-hmm. be like, look at those. I can't believe those. Those mountains are the most beautiful mountains I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> uh, you know, just for like, ever like, did you see that dog over that dog over there? Oh, my God. Bless his heart. I can't believe. Like, I can see her going on. Debbie seems like a cat lady. Yeah, um, but it would be interesting if she wasn't a cat lady and how yeah. that would. I mean, she, but then something. again, she's been there, right? I mean, we keep forgetting that she's yeah, actually yeah. Uh, been to visit Morocco before. So, right, I mean, right. it's not like they're meeting each other for the very first time. Yeah, I mean, I thought probably the most interesting part, thing that happened in their story was we really did i feel like we really got to see that julian's assholishness of him being an asshole really came from a place of hurt like he's really hurt that she's going yeah like he takes that personally he mm-hmm. he he said the word stole my mom and i still think he's ridiculously dis- disrespectful to his mother oh he's yeah he's probably not wrong about his assessment of the situation right like it's a completely reasonable stance to have even if he's not but i think his this is the stupidest thing i ever heard Like that's all it all comes as he's giving her a ride and helping her right so it's like well you know yeah and and, i mean so it did seem like she kind of knew that the whole time she was like i know my son enough that i know how this works like i know yeah what's going on here so right that's a good sign like she does she she seems like she's good i don't know she seems like she might be emotionally intelligent let's let's say that way she might be able to read people pretty well Sure. All right. So moving on to ooh, Jen and Rishi. Oh, so, goodness. Well, we start with B-rolls of sitar music and cows, so we must be of in course. India for them. Yeah. So she said she's been there for three days now. So things are not going great since they, the idea of, a, of an arranged marriage came up and it was something she didn't hear about. So they were in that shop with the clothes and she admits she did not handle the moment very well. But anyway, Rishi did get her an outfit, so the plan is still to go see the family. So Rishi comes by to the apartment so they can kind of discuss things, and he has the outfit, which is like a shirt, way less fancy than the saris and the dresses they were they were trying on before. She's totally her style, so she's on board now. So Rishi is upset that she walked out of the store because he's worried that if that's the way she deals with problems or uh, any kind of disagreement, then things are going to get tough because – she might walk away altogether when things get too hard. So he explains that what kind of what he what he meant about the arranged marriage is like it's not something that's definitely going to happen. It's more of a worst case scenario. So she does go along and says they'll says that well, what if you go and your family says no, we don't like her, nothing, we're not doing that. She can't even come around here anymore. Then he tells them he tells her that he would put his foot down and tell his family that it's either her or it's no one. Which makes her feel good. But anyway, they're waiting for his friend Jenjit to come because he's going to go with them as cover because it'll make sense if he comes and brings like two friends, a boy, a man and a woman. Then it's a little less suspicious than if he just like brings random woman to the <laughs> to the dinner. So as Jen gets herself ready, Sanjit shows up and 
Um, then he apparently is one of the few. He says he's a real good friend of Rishi. He's one of the few people that knows the truth about their relationship. So Jen comes out and they all kind of discuss, pre-game to discuss the plan that he's going to introduce her as a visiting friend, not somebody who moved here. Oh, goodness. And Sanjeet this says, she's like, well, is this the kind of thing you do all the time? You know, people come into town and they visit. And he was like, no, it's not normal at all. She's <laughs> like, well, do you think the family's going to suspect something? He was like, yeah, they're totally going to suspect something. <laughs> she says, what do you think they're going to do? She's like, probably force him to a marriage. So, <laughs> and also... You know, they've already been trying to do that anyway. So this is all new information to Jen. So uh, she's really kind of upset because Rishi didn't tell her any of this. And he's like, he tries to play it off. Well, like, obviously they did. How did you not under- How did you not think they would do that? <laughs> so he says it's only been like a month since they've been bringing girls to him. So, you know, but she's still confused because according to her, what he said is that he already told his family that he would not do an arranged marriage. So why are they even bringing people? He, but he's like, no, I've just been saying no to everything. That I'm mm. working on it. We're working on it. So anyway, either way, they're going to see the family because she can't back out of it now. They've already committed. The family knows they're coming. So things are pretty awkward in the camp for Sanjeet who has to sit there while the two of them like fight the whole time. Well, when I say the two of them, I mean Jen yelling at Rishi. <laughs> So they get to the family's house and everyone comes out to greet her. So they kind of remember her from the wedding. And after the greeting, the whole crew sits down to talk. So the sister, who is the person whose wedding she went to, this is when the family met her before, thinks this whole situation is really weird. Why is your foreign friend coming to meet your family? <laughs> like, <laughs> It's weird enough that she asks Jen, like, why are you here? <laughs> and, and then we – if we back up and they ask other people and pretty much everybody in the family they ask or put on camera for it is like, yeah, this is weird. So <laughs> Jen makes things even more weird by bringing up like, oh, I guess you guys are like must be looking for a wife for this one, huh? Oh, yeah, the brother whatever. So she also starts kind of not so subtly hinting about whether she, they've met any of the potential wives for Rishi. And you can kind of see in his face this whole time. He's just like trying to send her mental messages just like shut up. Shut up. Shut up. Just shut up. Stop it. Shut your mouth. And uh, his uncle says the proposals have come in, but they're not good matches because the women that have been coming coming in have either been uneducated or short. As Jen asks oh, about, gosh. what about would they be against her marrying a woman of a different religion maybe? Possibly Christian? Huh? Or whatever <laughs> spiritual thing I happen to do? So they say no. They have no problem with that. So she tries to nail down – then she tries to nail down like the timeline of how this has been going on. The mom says that they really want to get this thing finalized by the end of the year and that she's been looking for a year and a half. Oh, goodness. <laughs> so that's a lot longer than the month that Rishi said before. So she starts kind of seething here because, you know, they were already together. A year and a half ago, he already had a fiancé. So she starts – you know, she says she's tempted to just tell the family right now but doesn't want to let him off the hook and do his job for him and make it easy for him. Okay, so I'm going to start with that. What universe is this lady living in that she thinks that 
telling the family right now and just blurring it out would make things easier for him. No, it's not going to make things easier for either of them. Right. (laughs) Right. So, I mean, I think she what she needs to realize is that the reason why he is keeping this from his family isn't because he isn't interested in her and, you know, trying to marry someone else. It's because he's fearful of how his family will react. And so she needs to remember that because I think she's forgetting that the reason why he's fearful is because they might not accept this uh, marriage. They might try force him into another marriage. They might prevent him from leaving the house. All of these things he's expressed to her, but I don't think she's getting that. No, she's not getting that the reason. Yeah, right. The reason he's not pulling the trigger on this mm-hmm. is because if he misses the target, it's going right. to ricochet back at his face. Like right. he either hits the target or it goes horribly. And like you can't, it's, it's not that he's doing it because he's putting it off or he feels bad. I, yeah. I, and this is the first – I thought – maybe I gave, gave her too much of benefit of the doubt mm-hmm. last time that she just – oh, she doesn't – she's just kind of missing what he's saying or doesn't understand the situ- situation. And I can still be upset that it's like, wow, you should have been farther along in this process than you are right. now that I'm here. Mm-hmm. I get that. But she doesn't understand the process at all. She's oh, just no, like, she doesn't. just tell your parent you have a girlfriend. What's the problem? And yeah. he's like – what do you mean? What's the problem? Like, didn't you watch Jenny and Submit? Like, come on, man. Like, I you know, know what the right? is. <laughs> yeah. Like things go horribly wrong. But I and I mean, we're on the other way. Right. And so she has to understand that, like, I mean, a lot of these uh, Americans have to understand that you're on the other way. Like the solution to a lot of your issues would be get them to move to America. But that's not what you all are doing. Right. So if you wanted him to go against the family and marry you in a non-arranged marriage and have his family kind of be forced to be okay with it, move to America. But that's not what you're trying to do. You're trying to live in India and coexist with his family in a way that doesn't have you shunned from society. And so it's like you got to follow the rules. Well, and the other thing, too, is she is not going to like what marriage looks like. (laughs) No, and we haven't even gotten to that yet, right? Because we we established in the first episode, the reason mom wants Tim to get married is because he's the head of the household. And when he gets married, his wife takes care of the household. And then she gets to retire, right? Yeah, this is bad. This is so bad. She has no idea that that's what's coming for her. Like, none at all. Well, I mean, I can understand why she doesn't think that because Rishi got her an apartment, by herself, you know? So mm-hmm. she probably thinks, oh, this is our apartment. But yes, I think she doesn't realize that, no, 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 no. This was my I'm hiding you away apartment. You know, yes. this, right. this isn't like permanent. Like as soon as they all know that like we are together, like guess what? You get to move to the big house. Yeah, this is the plausible deniability apartment, right? right? <laughs> like, yeah, you're not staying here, right? For, 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 yeah, this is... This is my let I this is my culture. Let me work the system. Right. Like, as this works out. And she's just, man, she was awful. Like, yeah. not like does she she has to think his family is so dumb. Yeah. <laughs> like, to not know, like to not see through her, oh, is he have anybody that he's getting married to? <laughs> have you been like 
like, like, first of all, they were already suspicious. Why is this white friend here? I don't understand. Always and then she starts here. asking about his marriages and they'd be like, oh, <laughs> I think they'll get there. I don't think she needs to blow it up in front of him anymore. No, definitely not. All right. Uh, speaking of blowing up, let's talk about our last couple, Danielle and Johan. So Johan <laughs> is carrying Danielle's purse, purse much to his protest. They are taking a break from house hunting to visit with Danielle's friend, Sophie, who is visiting. Uh, if you recall, Sophie is uh, Danielle's yoga client from earlier this season, and she's bilingual. Danielle remembers that Sophie is suspicious uh, that Johan is a sanky panky. Sophie thinks that Danielle is just too trusting, and she wants to see if Johan's everything that Danielle has manifested. Uh. Sophie, I know. Sophie tells Johan that he is everything Danielle was looking for. She asks Johan if his parents want grandchildren and brings up that it's harder for older women to get pregnant. Danielle and Johan had seen a fertility doctor who said their chances of conceiving naturally is 5%, but science be damned because Johan's gut tells him that there's no problem and that God will bless them with a miracle and they have more than a 5% chance. Danielle is worried about miscarrying because she thinks that she wouldn't emotionally be able to go through it. She would rather rely on science instead of going through the emotional roller coaster of getting a period every month. Johan admits that he's gotten some women pregnant, but he also says that they've gotten abortions. This is news to Danielle because he had told her that he, his ex had had a miscarriage. She's not upset about the abortion, but she's upset he never told her the truth. She wants to talk to him about it, but later. They go to a botanica to get herbs and oils so Danielle can practice her ifa. Danielle says it's for prosperity for Johan's business. But Johan refuses to put a picture of St. Michael with a candle in his shop. He tries to get her to understand that people will think they are witches. Danielle spends about 250 on things uh, from the store. In the car, Danielle brings up the abortion revelation. Johan says that he's been with a lot of women, but that shouldn't have any effect on the present because the past is the past. Johan says he told her everything, and Danielle insists that he didn't tell her the entire truth. Johan keeps saying it's in the past, and Danielle says that she has problems with liars. Danielle says she's been lied to in the past, and she's even dated someone who had a whole other family. She has zero tolerance for lying, and she gets upset and cries. Johan tries to give her space and says he'll talk to her later. They have a conversation later where Johan defends his version of the story and Danielle tries to convey that she's upset because he lied. She says this isn't the kind of relationship she wants to be in and the fight starts to get petty when Danielle tells him to stay quiet when she talks. Johan thinks the conversation is over and if she doesn't trust him, that's her problem. Danielle is crying, and she's worried that Johan doesn't seem to be bothered by her crying. Danielle says she wants him to be a different person, while Johan is trying to get her to make a decision about moving forward. Danielle says he's toxic, so she says she wants to go back to the hotel. Danielle is frustrated that he doesn't seem to want to work things out. Okay, so their argument, while well, started off, I think, okay, uh, this is certainly one of those... Um, 
There's a bit of a language uh, oh, barrier. Oh, I think there's a huge language barrier thing. Yeah. For sure. And mm-hmm. so that's certainly contributing to it. But uh, there's also just a lack of empathy for the other person. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, you know, like like I said, Danielle started playing dirty when she just starts name calling and, you know, being kind of petty about things. Well, um, she does that. She does that thing where she. This is too important, so I have to say it in the language that you're where where you're on the back foot and don't understand what I'm saying. Sure. Like- <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But would you say that you were more team Johan or team Danielle in this fight? I was more team Johan. Um mm-hmm. I thought and I don't I don't know that he did a great job explaining it, but I think it just was um like I, I and this is where I think the language barrier was a huge deal, right? The language barrier and the kind of the cultural norms of you say there, because obviously you're going to go very few places where abortion is not a touchy subject, mm-hmm, right? Sure. And a lot of times there's going to be euphemisms that you use. And like maybe in the DR when you say things like, oh, and then, you know, she didn't – she lost the baby. People understand that that might mean she had an abortion, mm-hmm. right? And like – and so when he said it like that, he wasn't lying to her. That's how they phrase it because it's sensitive. And he doesn't want to tell his this woman about some other woman's abortion that she might not want to share. Right. Right. And so I don't think it was as much of a breach of a lie. You didn't tell me that. That's a lie of omission. It's like I could also see him just kind of being like, that wasn't my news to share. That wasn't my thing to share anyway. Right. I think part of what kept this argument going, though, was really, though, his lack of like reaction, um, his lack of any kind of like regret. Oh, he didn't, he didn't explain anything for sure. No, but even his like, you know, he just seems so cold about it. Right. And so if he said, yeah, um, I'm sorry, it didn't come off that way. You know, like I really wasn't abortion. I wasn't trying to lie to you. Um, you know, if he had tried a little bit to kind of smooth things over, but he didn't, he was just kind of like, well, you misunderstood me, so that's your problem. You don't trust me, your problem. Okay, mm-hmm. so what do you want to do moving on in this relationship? You want to be with me or not? It was also like at the end of the day, there's not, there wasn't a baby. Like a guy yeah. was pregnant, you knew that. There wasn't a baby, you knew that. Like so, so where? What do we say? And part of it is, I, I think he, he kind of, I don't know. I, I it, the part is, I was, I was lost in that. I thought she blew something very much out of proportion mm-hmm. and he and he was already like uh like and so he kind of got done his his argument was really it wasn't much of an argument you're blowing this out of proportion yeah and that 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 was where his coldness came from because he gets cold and she gets condescending right and, yeah. and it just it kind of circles on the wagons and like because it was because it's like because at some point she said something like He's like, well, what do you want? And she's like, well, I want you to be a different person. And he's like, Mm -hmm. I'm not a different person. What do you want? Like, like, I want you to be a different person is not a rational thing to want out of a relationship. Sure. But I I certainly feel like there was this lack of affection, you know, between him and her. And I kind of feel like that is – it is. It's like a yellow flag, you know, red flag, you know, but I would if I were her, I would be concerned. It seems like he had a lack of like 
empathy for how she was feeling. It seemed like he had a lack of affection, um, you know, like wanting to make things right. And to me, this all played out like and I'm not saying that Danielle was right, because like I said, she was the one who was getting petty. Um, you know, calling him toxic and, you know, whatever, and like saying, I don't want to be in a relationship with someone like you, be a different person, um, you know, but I just feel like it just shows to me that Johan, I don't even know if he really wants to be with this woman. I don't know if she wants to be with him either, because I get I, I kind of get where he's coming from. I don't know if it's she, we haven't seen her do anything but pick nits at him since mm-hmm. she's been there. Mm-hmm. Like, like this isn't good enough. Your business sucks. You didn't. You need to pitch in more. You need to do that. And he's just like, "Why did you come here to yell at me? I don't understand why you moved the Dominican Republic to yell at me." Yeah. Like, and uh, yeah, I don't know that he has a, much affection either because I think he's pretty transparently in this to be able to go to the U.S. eventually. Yeah. Um, and so I just like I don't know. I don't know. I I I I don't I don't see how this can work because they they genuinely don't seem to like each other very much. No, they don't. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, this is one of our few couples that are actually married. So I mean, they're gonna try stick it out at least for a little bit, just for the sake of honoring their vows. I mean, I'm not to say that they won't eventually break up, but mm-hmm. you know, they're I don't know, and it's gonna be a disaster on the way, right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Okay. Uh, do we have any more couples that we are expecting to see? Uh, no, I think this is all of them. Six couples. Yes. All right. Um, so out of the group you saw this week, who was your student of the week? I said my student of the week. <laughs> I, I, Jamie, I guess. And that was <laughs> more a process of elimination than anything mm. else. I mean, I, I guess the only other one who didn't have major, major things that I was like, uh, this kind of messed up. Was uh, was Osama maybe because we just saw him death scare, death staring into cats, which right. is a little weird. So Jamie because she was appropriately freaked out by her knife wielding girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> well, I went with Isabel, and I you know I know she's probably going to come up a lot, but I mean. For sure. The fact that she's being so supportive of Gabriel's business and um, you know believes in the business enough to quit her job, I think is like really showing that she believes in Gabriel to like put all of her energy into like a business that he's passionate about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So good for her. All right. What about your dunce? I I went with Jen, like just because <laughs> you are not slick. Like, no, she was not slick. She's just like, she, she has so little trust in like her partner that she's just like, sabotaging his plan that's good his plan for them to end up together right she's just like i don't like that plan i don't think it's good enough and i'm not gonna i'm just gonna sabotage it in front of your family and like just is awful oh my goodness i actually went with chris for scaring jamie <laughs> you know it's like i i get that you want to have a weapon or whatever and that you're comfortable with it but it's like read the room you yeah. know, you are brandishing a you are wielding a knife. OK, you, it is scaring your partner. Like, look at the look at her face. Like, yeah. that should be enough. Like, maybe well, she should turn it down is, a little is like, bit. And, and I know there's people who are trained and do things and do things. Sure. Times, but I also feel like anytime somebody seriously hurts themselves with a knife like that. 
the words they said right before they do it are, trust it, trust me, I know what I'm doing. I know, right? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, goodness. All right. uh, What about your life lesson? I feel like that was a life lesson in itself. (laughs) (laughs) It kind of was. But it was, it was, it was, was, it's basically, I mean, we've seen it a lot again, especially on the other way, is do your research. Like, only men can go to cafes and you don't meet your friends' wives are stuff you should know before you go. To, before you move, not visit, move to a place. Right, right, definitely. Uh, so my life lesson for uh, Johan Danielle, like no matter how frustrated or mad you are, you have to refrain from name calling or even putting ultimatums on your relationship, I think is a bad idea during a fight. You know, it's it's just yeah. not productive. And if you're trying to uh, shift the focus on, well, do you even want to be with me? It's like you're not you're no longer fighting about what you thought you were fighting about. Right, right. And it is it is a tactic that's like, well, you can't be mad at me at anything ever because right. otherwise, why are you with me? So, that, right. That is, yeah. Yeah. It's not, just not, not particularly helpful. Yeah. All right. So uh, next week, uh, we will probably see a. Reunion of Debbie and Osama, mm-hmm. and then all of our couples will be in their respective countries at that point. That's right. Everybody's there with their partners, so hopefully that's when the real drama can can start. Yeah. No more cat drama. Yes. No more cat yeah. staring. Yes. <laughs> all right. So uh, we will be back uh, same time next week. Then. Right, so until then. then. Okay. okay. Bye. 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 